Hey everybody, it's Matt Hardman with another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast right here on CKCC Radio. You could find CKCC Radio on all your podcasting platforms along with CKCCRadio.com which you can find each and every show and each and every episode. I'm your host Matt Hardman and we got a lot to talk about this week. Um... We have Darlington coming up uh, with Throwback Weekend, which we'll talk more about that uh, later in the episode. We also have a look back on NASCAR's uh, weekend at Kansas with the Bushy McBush Race 400 highlighting the weekend. We also are going to talk about the doubleheader at Texas for the IndyCar Series. Uh, their last two races before the greatest spectacle in motorsports. There is also other news um, involving uh, two totally different tracks, uh, North Wilkesboro and Mont Tremblant, along with a pop quiz nose. But before we get to all that, uh, we, have, we do have some sad news to get out of the way first as we had two passings in the world of motorsports. Um, uh, Over the last week, we've had the passing of Bobby Unser, uh, known to some as Uncle Bobby, uh, uh, passed away at the age of 87. Uh, Bobby from the famed Unser family, was a three-time Indy 500 winner, and the focus of this week's Pop Quiznos. And that is Bobby in 1971, or 1973, sorry, um, would compete for the final race for what legendary NASCAR team? Tune in at the end of the show for the answer to that. Um, Bobby, who, growing up, my reflection of Bobby Unser was that he, uh, was the color guy for the Indianapolis 500, which I watched for many, many, many years, and still continue to watch to this day. Um, certainly a staple of the ABC, um, motorsports, uh, contingent in the booth, along with Paul Page and um, Sam Posey. Uh, The other passing um, from the world of NASCAR was Eric McClure. Uh, Eric, the nephew of uh, Morgan McClure Motorsports owner um, Larry McClure, uh, was a longtime uh, driver on the Xfinity series um, had actually raced for his uncle's team, um, the legendary Morgan McClure Motorsports, um, at the end of their the end of their tenure in racing. Um, McClure would pass away after having some um, some serious health issues over the past couple of years, um, and he was forty two. Uh, anyway. Uh, 
hate to start the show off on such a down note, um, but I, I do feel I had to give those two diligence um, with their passings. Uh, and we do have a pop quiz now based on those, and as I've already asked. Um, but when we, uh, we've got other stuff to really touch on. We got um, the NASCAR's weekend at Kansas. Uh, which, all in all, was more exciting than had any right to be. As we saw Kyle Busch punch his way in to the, to the postseason by picking up his first win of the year uh, and would have... Kevin Harvick finishing runner-up in a race that it looked like at the very end we would see Matt DiBenedetto pick up his first career win and punch his way in. But a, uh, a lot of jostling and whatnot. Um, and it was it was certainly something. It, it was a good race. I can't remember... A true overall race that was exciting. Granted, it was dominated for the most part by Kyle Larson. Um, but Larson um, would run into trouble later on in the race with Ryan Blaney. Um, and uh, would, not, would be denied a second win of the season. Uh, the Truck Series, which basically became the Kyle Busch weekend would see Kyle beating out Ross Chastain in a, in a frantic a race to the finish. Uh, and this would be Bush's first sweep of the season. Um, and why not? You know, if the weekend's called the Bushy McBush race, uh, <laughs> which was voted on by the fans. I got a laugh out of it when they announced it. Uh, you know, along with other possible names like the Bush for the Farmers 400 and the Bush Latte 400, and there was a fourth one. But, uh, Bushy McBush race. Won by Kyle Bush, beating out the Bush car. So, yeah. <laughs> Got a chuckle out of that. But overall, Kansas was a good weekend. They move on to Darlington with Throwback Weekend this week. Um, which has certainly turned out to be a surprise. If you want to hear um, my thoughts on Darlington, tune in next week. Or if you really want me to go over the um, what I thought of the throwback paint schemes, which is going to be a whole separate episode, uh, tune in to Patreon for that. Um, I'm going to currently compile a list of um, all the throwbacks that will be run this weekend between all three series. I'll break those down and and give my grades on them on that Patreon episode and then give my top five. I had a good feeling on what my number one was going to be, but there was uh, an announcement uh, recently um, 
and one just completely blew me out of the water. Hands down, blew me out of the water. Um, and it's actually going to be a piece that I'm going to run out and buy once it becomes available. <laughs> anyway, um, so tune into that that episode there on Patreon. Um, I do remember last September thinking that this may have run its course. Um, glad I was wrong. Anyway, um, moving on. We had IndyCar um, with its final tune-up uh, prior to the Indianapolis 500, which thankfully will be run with a full um, IndyCar schedule. Uh, a full, not an IndyCar schedule, sorry, a full attendance for the Indianapolis 500, which is amazing because the last Indy 500 run last year was run with um, nobody in the crowd, which kind of was a very eerie race to watch. Um, it was a good race, but it was an eerie race. Um, I, I think there's something about having... Um, an empty race that's just doesn't seem doesn't seem right, especially the Indy Five Hundred, which is still to this day the largest uh, single sporting event uh, attended in the world. I mean, the Super Bowl's got nothing on this, um, but we're going to be moving on to Indy. But first. Um, the guys and girls of the open wheel uh, circuit had to compete at Texas for a doubleheader this weekend. Uh, the first race run on Saturday night was won by Scott Dixon, who increases his points lead um, in the title uh, defense. Alex Pillow, who had won earlier this year at St. Petersburg, uh, started on the pole. And then we would go to Sunday, which would, after a very scary wreck on the first lap that took out drivers like Sebastian Bourdais, who had a really bad weekend. Um, Bourdais was caught in two separate incidents in, um, in separate days. Uh, and also took out drivers like Alexander Rossi, Pietro Philip. Fittipaldi, grandson of Emerson Fittipaldi, and Connor Daly, among others. Uh, the race would be won by Patricio Award, uh, the young Mexican driver uh, out of Mexico, out of Monterey, Mexico. Be a little more specific there. Um, he would pick up his first career win and certainly establish himself as one of the new and upcoming stars of the sport. Um, I really wasn't high on the kid, um, you know, last year he was running for Carlin Racing, was one of the teams that, uh, missed the 500, I didn't think that he would be the guy who would really be super successful, um, but with, um, the move to, um, the McLaren-Schmidt-Peterson team, and, and knowing how McLaren 
operates and you know they're obviously very big in the world of formula one they're one of the best teams out there in that that they would that they would certainly improve um you know the in 2021 and certainly give a award his um his uh you know the best equipment that he's had in indycar uh since graduating from indy lights and he's showing it this year and I couldn't be any happier. The kid can certainly drive. Um, I th- I think you know it is the um, he he's really good. And a tip of the cat to Scott McLaughlin, the rookie uh, for Penske Racing, who came over from the V8 Supercars and would finish runner up in his first oval race on Saturday night. Then would back it up. With a eighth place run in um, the Sunday matinee, uh, so like I said, they move on to Indy, and obviously the month of May, Indy is the thing. Um, and like I said, having um, having an entire month, you know, it's going to be exciting, and having the track open, and you know. Kind of, kind of a semblance of normal for IndyCar. Uh, so that was this past weekend. Um, you know, like I said, IndyCar has got the entire month there off until Memorial Day weekend. NASCAR will be doing the throwback weekend this weekend. Uh, but we got a lot of other news to get to. Um, you know, want to touch on a couple of track things. Um, first, it has been announced that um, Lawrence Lawrence Stroll, who owns Lawrence Stroll, I apologize, not Stall, Lawrence Stroll, who owns Montremblant Speedway, our circuit de Montremblant. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, in Montremblant, Canada, a very very beautiful. A town. Um, I've been there once um, to go snowboarding uh, a long, long time ago. Uh, has announced had previously announced that he was putting the track up for sale after owning it um, from the early two thousands. Uh, he continues to own it, but had put it up for sale, um, but has decided to take it off the market and will keep it in his portfolio. Uh, Stroll, who is the team principal of Aston Team Martin in Formula One, and the owner, oh, and the father, sorry, of um, F1 star uh, Lance Stroll, will uh, continue to own the track and in hopes of bringing the Canadian Grand Prix um, to the city. Um, the Canadian Grand Prix, which most recently had been run at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal. Um, Another beautiful city in Canada. Um, And a beautiful circuit at that. I I think, I hope that they would run this um, as it was run in the late 60s, early 70s for a couple races in F1. Um, I would certainly like to see it up there. Um, but in other track news, um, there has been a groundswell 
of um, people and um, businesses in the North Wilkesboro area um, really rallying the troops to um, to bring back North Wilkesboro Speedway. Obviously, um, with NASCAR and a new schedule and trying to bring back old tracks, uh, there's been a lot of interest in this, um, especially when on Dale Jr.'s uh, podcast, the Dale Jr. Download, uh, a couple months back he had um, Marcus Smith, CEO of uh, SMI, uh, which owns um, which owns North Wilkesboro. And when when talking about it, he said that nothing is off the table with the track. Uh, Marcus Lemonis. Uh, stepped to the plate um, and had previously said that he was looking at putting a um, a camping world uh, uh, location in Wilkesboro. And just today I saw a, a tweet that has been shared around saying that Marcus Lemonis, from Marcus Lemonis, saying that he is willing to invest up to a million dollars into the North Wilkesboro complex and even put a small camping world store on the property uh, to get this going. And if anything, Marcus Lemonis has really stepped up and has been a friend of motorsports, uh, whether it's uh, sponsoring the NASCAR's truck series or um, offering race-by-race sponsorships to uh, lower teams to help them um, get to the track and be able to compete of you know for for races in the truck series um, I think that this is another big tip of the cap um, so <laughs> Marcus Lemonis has done a lot for the sport in the past year um, that I've not seen any CEO or any company really do um, out there uh, just like this. And I think that this is an amazing uh, boost for the um, the groundswell of people who would love to see North Wilkesboro come back, uh, myself included. As I've stated on this show before, North Wilkesboro was one of my favorite short tracks uh, watching on TV. Um and it got royally screwed when um, when uh, Bob Bear and Bruton Smith bought it just to strip away its dates for their tracks in New Hampshire and Texas. Um, then with Bear selling uh, his shares to SMI and Bruton Smith, uh, which gave them full acquisition of the track, uh, it's pretty much sat in mothballs for the most part, and and in a state of decay, uh, which which is in unfortunate for a track with such a history, um, such a uniqueness that it, it's it's heartbreaking for many many longtime fans, and you know fans who are certainly older than I am, who you know have seen the Petties, the Allisons, and whatnot. Uh, race at the track. Uh, so, 
we have all that. Um, moving on. We got the big news this week um, about the debut of NASCAR's next-gen car. Um, this was a big thing. It happened on Wednesday, and I am recording right here on a Friday. Uh, the next-gen car, which is the third-generation car in the past 15 years. Um, this is going to be the closest that NASCAR has been to a streetcar in a long time. It has been something that NASCAR has been working on. was actually originally scheduled to roll out this year. Of this season but um, due to the pandemic had been pushed back to 2022 to give the teams in the OEMs um, the manufacturers more time um, and this this is great uh, you're still gonna have your Camaros your Mustangs and your uh, Toyota Camrys um, They'll still be at the track, but these will be closer to what you can buy um, at the at your at your local Toyota or Ford or Chevy dealership. And I'll tell you what the, this is—it's actually really cool. Um, these cars are going to have um, independent suspensions and rack pinion steering. Much like you'd find in your regular car compared to what they've been racing. Uh, they've, there's also the big thing about the, um, the larger wheel and smaller tire, along which is more set for what you'd find on your typical street car. You know, a lot of people were still kind of hung up initially on the single lug, um, for the tire, the single lug nut, uh, compared to the, the five lug nuts that you would find on a current stock car or even street car, but this is more um, in line of what uh, Formula One and IndyCar use for their, um, for their lugs. Um, and I think this would cut down on a lot of penalties, a lot of safety issues uh, with this larger single lug um, it's going to be a learning process as uh, a lot of these teams will be getting parts from certain manufacturers instead of trying to, you know, making their own and doctoring this. It's, it's a cost saving feature. It's a, it's a, um, more in tune to what you can buy at the track, uh, not at the track, but at your local, um, dealership and, um, I think this is a great move for the sport um, for something that's gotten away over the past 20-something years. Uh, I remember when I started like seriously following the sport in the late 80s, early 90s, and they were very much, looked very much like something you would buy um, at the, at, at your local, um, at your local uh, car dealer, and um, really, in my eyes, what it killed it was the car tomorrow, which was built 
for safety uh, with the taller greenhouse. And when I say greenhouse, the taller, um, taller windshield, the taller roof line, and everything like that. Um, uh, and then, then you got that god awful uh, spoiler that was on the back that was meant to keep the cars from flipping over. It, it just, it, it didn't look right. And um, I think you know, with the current generation car that they are driving now, it's kind of a weird balance. But this brings it back to looking more like a actual street car and a car that will. Um, That will race better, uh, and it was it was really cool to see all these new features. Um, I can't really describe them all um, because I'm not fully mechanically, you know, understand it hundred percent. But this is a lot of stuff that you will find in a lot of features you'll find in a street car. Granted, they certainly aren't street cars. I don't know any streetcars with 800 horsepower that you could buy right off the lot without spending top dollar. Um, so that was really cool news for the sport. Um, hopefully it will give it a boost, attract new viewers, bring back some old ones uh, who have been complaining that it's gotten away from its stock car routes. Um, also, we have... Uh, news that um, and I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> uh, we have news that um, I really am drawing a blank. Oh, that Dale Jr. That's what it was. Dale Jr. has announced when he will run his. Uh, He's been running a single race for the last couple of years in the Xfinity Series. A series which he's had a little bit of success, you know. Two championships. Uh, 24 wins, I believe. Um, you know, in a sport which, you know, in a series which he's really been there to help it grow both as a driver and now as an owner and kind of, a, kind of an ambassador. Um, through his uh, television and podcasting platforms, along with his ownership role, uh, he will be getting back into the car uh, uh, at Richmond in the fall on 9-11. Um, as, as you all know, that this year will commemorate 20 years of uh, the attacks on the World Trade Center and um, his one of his uh, sponsors uh, for for his drivers uh, Unilever, um, the company behind Good Humor and Suave and the the um, the multifaceted uh, company will will be partnering with him in a United for America uh, car. To help commemorate this, and um, United for America is a Unilever, you know, helping with first responders and um, our military with, I guess, care packages or whatever. 
um, and that this race is going to be special. Um, for those of you who were around at that time, you can remember uh, Dale Jr. was the driver who won the first <coughs> cup race after 9-11, uh, symbolically um, um, run, ran the, uh, the victory lap with the American flag unfurled. Uh, certainly one of those pictures I will never forget. Uh, one of those moments. Uh, and it, it's a great thing. And to see it come full circle. Um, it's, it's not only a great reminder of, um, you know, how, how we all came together as a country, uh, 20 years ago, but also a, um, a, a tribute to all those that we lost on that day, you know, whether it was New York City or the Pentagon or in Pennsylvania, um, so I'm actually looking forward to this, and Richmond is a track that he has done very well at. Uh, so it's not out of the realm of reason that he can pick up a win in his lone race. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited for this weekend. We have, as I'm recording today, tonight we have the truck race. Um, the... The truck race at 7 o'clock tonight. We also have the um, Xfinity race tomorrow. The Steakhouse Elite. <coughs> Excuse me. The Steakhouse Elite 200 tomorrow. Um, and on Sunday will be the Goodyear 400. Um, and they all set up to be really good races. Um, as I said... I'm going to do a special on the throwback paint schemes. I've got opinions on quite a bit of them. Um, there, as I said earlier in the show, that there are a lot that have knocked it out of the park. There is one that has completely blown my mind. And there is one that, oh my god, you, 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 make, you make any... Any merch, whether it's a die cast or a shirt or a hat, I'm just throwing you my money. Just throwing it at you. Just throw it. Just take it. <laughs> um, because this one is not only the coolest, but it, it's this one is very, very, very special to me. Um, combines two of my favorite things um, rolled into one. And I am so looking forward to see it. Um, it is in the Xfinity race. Um, and I, while I know it's going to be a car that, unless lightning's in a bottle, um, will not end up in victory lane. Uh, but this one is amazing to see. So, um, anyway... Um, Almost time to wrap up the show, but before I go, we do have a answer to the Pop Quiznos question, and that is um, the late Bobby Unser 
which still sucks to say. Uh, had driven the last race for what famed NASCAR um, team. And that is uh, Bobby would race the final race for the legendary Holman Moody Racing Team. Um, Bobby would run the Holman Moody number 41 Ford, um, I want to say Torino, uh, in 1973. Um, this would be on his, only his fourth career NASCAR start at Riverside. He would finish fourth that day, um, five laps down. And as I said, this would be the final start for Holman Moody. Uh, two gentlemen who, by the way, are should be in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, but have yet to be voted in. And I know this year I find I was finally able to 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 enjoy the fact that Mike Stefanik got in. Um, Stefanik, who obviously uh, listening to the show, you know, um, I've been um, praising his accolades and truly believed that he needed to be in the Hall of Fame, although he really didn't have a NASCAR Cup Series career or real high on any of the three um, major circuits, but uh, certainly had made a a name for himself in um, the Modifieds and NASCAR's uh, then, what was then called the Bush East Series, um, or the Bush North Series prior to being called the Bush East Series. Um, as a multi-time champion, but um, now that he is finally in, and certainly in with a pretty good class um, featuring Dale Jr., he can't go into a better class, um, I think it's time that we get John Holman and Ralph Moody into that same Hall of Fame, uh, considering what they have done for the sport um, in the 60s and 70s. Um, certainly, Ford's racing program wouldn't be anywhere where it is uh, without those two gentlemen. Um, so, on that note, um, I am going to... Get ready to watch some racing, and I'm hoping that by the time we uh, we return, that you will have had a chance to enjoy uh, Throwback Weekend. Hopefully, enjoy Mother's Day. Uh, so, a special thank you to all the moms out there. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it, it's it's a day for them and. Um, Yeah, uh, you know, especially with the, with the trials that, um, my family has gone through, you know, the past month, um, you know, really, really, really should praise your mother, give her a call, give her, you know, swing by, say hello to her, you know, drop her a line, send her a card, you know, send, you know, all that type of shit, um, but, you know, definitely, 
you know, spend time with them on this Mother's Day. But definitely don't pass up um, Darlington either. I think it's going to be a good one. I, I, I already got a gut feeling on who I want to win this week. Um, and hopefully they'll be bringing a really sharp hot rod. Um, but until then, I'm Matt Hardman. This is the Race Nerd Podcast. And I will see you at the track.